So, Danny Home Part One, that was fun, wasn't it? That was good. It was a good listen, that. Yeah, I really enjoyed Excellent. that. This will be interesting because obviously part two is joining in with our bollocks, so that'll be uh, that'll be that'll be interesting. But he had some good stories, didn't he? For for a lower league footballer, he had a um, he had quite, he achieved quite a, quite a bit in terms of the, like the Wembley Wembley win and stuff like that. It's always interesting to hear about. Yeah, no, I uh, really enjoyed it as well. To be fair, um, I was at Lincoln as well around the time that he was there, so it was nice to. Obviously, I saw some of the stuff go on, but I didn't see everything. So it was nice to see it here, what else was going on and everything like that. So, yeah, good crack. And nice to see it from a slightly older perspective as well. Obviously, I was just a, a young lad at under 16 level or whatever then. So, and he always looked up to those idiots as sort of where you wanted to be. So it was quite interesting from my point of view. I was pulling pints. I just remember him breaking through. I remember, I remember all, all the lads he referenced. I, I remember them all. Um, fucking about all the time when I was wandering around the stadium, probably yelling abuse at me. Yeah. Some but no, he's. Um, I, I, I actually found it fascinating how much you, because you, as I said, you were there, how much you could actually relate to. And I, I thought that was really interesting. And then obviously he gives a really, really, I thought a really good insight into professional football, which is exactly what I was looking for. So um, yeah, I hope people enjoyed it. He's setting the bar pretty high, hasn't he, from a guest perspective? I think so, yeah. I mean, we're going to be ranking them out of 10. We're not going to tell them, but we'll see. We'll be ranking them out of 10. He's got his score now. Um, so it'd be very interesting if he topples that. But yeah, very interesting. Yeah, um, we'll not tell him, uh, but my rating rhymes with late. <laughs> <laughs> so now for part two. Enjoy. Now for show and tell on the uh, on the podcast. So for anyone who's not listened before, it's like a classroom. We're going to all bring something to the classroom to show and tell. And uh, visitors first. So Danny, what have you got for us? Pushy parents and academy football. Oh, oh I like this. Worms, this one. <laughs> this is a strong start. Strong start. <laughs> so go on. Yeah discuss that what well, you will I have my preconceptions but yeah uh, from well from a uh, from a fan point of view it's a nightmare and I just I've witnessed it on the side of certain pitches when you've gone to watch I just and, and even even at the terrible level I played out some of the parents were just horrific so that I can't even begin to imagine what it's like within an academy system I don't even it must be horrendous yeah, so like, so obviously kicks, it's very, we, we kind of control that quite a lot, but we've, we've stood next to, we've trained next to Sunday League teams and stuff like that. But there's, there's three elements to it. So there's just a general Sunday League where the kids aren't going to make it, but their dad's living their dream through the kid. And they're like, smash it, kick him, kick it out, get rid. And it's like, come on, just educate, educate properly and kind educate of, yourself before you yeah. start trying to educate your kid yeah, yeah. <laughs> read, read like a level like the, the level two coaching badge so i'm going to give you an example in a minute but uh, like my old man was a professional footballer and not once did he tell me like we used to have to debrief after game and just have a little chat and that'd be it but not like you need to do this you need to do that better you crap at that you need to do this so you just kind of let me get on with it and learn um 
but you see like parents like literally drilling into him, drilling into them, drilling into them. And it's kind of just let the kids enjoy it because by the time they get to 15, they're going to hate it. And then they go off smoking weed and go down the park and drink a load of white, white lightning um, and just hate it. So, so yeah, Sunday league's horrendous. And I don't know, I, the FA are trying to regulate a little bit, but how, how do you regulate that? How do you take away that parent's passion um, and their kids to do well? But yeah, but there's there's one example, and so like I don't know whether you're familiar with um, the academy structure now. So I went over to Man City um, with kicks, and there was kids signed at three years old, and like it. But to be fair to Man City, so they've got a structure where at three, great, like fine. They're doing the fun sessions that we would do at kicks and stuff, and it's in a controlled environment. They're just trying to pick them up early. But then when they get to 12, they get private schooled. They get um, parents get a house and car and all that sort of stuff. So even if they fail and don't make the grade, they've still got that support network behind them. Then you look at Lincoln City, and they have a development squad. They have a development development squad. They have an elite squad. And if you're in the development squad, you have to pay like 400 quid for your kit for the year. And it's just a money-making thing that they're just selling the dream to this kid and parents and they get to wear the Lincoln City kit. So now they're like, oh, we're, we're progressing. We're in the development squad. But then you'll see the development squad coaching, coaches coaching on a Sunday morning with a grassroots team. And it's like, come on now, like play, give, give a bit of light. I think it's 0.0. .0 two percent of kids make it to be a professional footballer and it's kind of just yeah i can't stand selling a dream it's like um there's a another company in lincoln that's selling like b-tech coach like qualifications full-time football the lads are rubbish they're never gonna make it stop selling the dream and uh lincoln offered me to go in with their they're pre under sevens um, and we're trying to get me to do a bit of coaching with them. And they're like, oh, you put you, we'll put you free UEFA B and volunteer and do some coaching with us. So I don't need my, my UEFA B, it's a bit of paper. And uh, I went up there just to, because they wanted to, basically what they were getting at is they wanted to take a couple of my players have been scouted by Derby at Kicks. And uh, they got wind of it and they wanted to come and look at all our kids. And I was, I had my business hat on. It's like, I'm not taking money out of my pocket unless there's something coming in return. Like, um, kids, if you pick up the kids naturally, fine. But if you want to do a partnership, they're offering me to put me through my UA for B and that would be it. But they're taking money out of the business kind of thing. It was, didn't work. So I went up and had a little look whilst we were discussing. And, uh, it, this, again this will never never leave me and I'm on the acid turf in and amongst all the sessions going on and um there's a I can see on the bank it's at rise zone at the bank um a kid was sat with his dad and I just said to one of the coaches what's that what's that kid doing he goes oh well if he can't make it through the gate he's never gonna make it as a footballer is he and my so this kid was nervous it was his first night and he was sat with his dad bawling his eyes out watching the sessions I, like, I said to him, like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, and he's like, yeah, well, just not, not going to make it, are they? I was like, hang on a minute. Oh. You could nurture that kid. You could bring him in and give him that proper kind of um, support to flourish and have that understanding that will then help him throughout the life. But that kid's experience, that's an eternity for, like, life. And 
that just didn't sit well with me that they just straight away brushed that kid off. That could be like a million pound player sat over there and they've just brushed it off because he, he's nervous and couldn't make it through the gate. And yeah, the whole 16 and under, the whole academy program just needs a major overhaul and there needs to be a lot more regulation around it. Um, my brother really suffered with depression. He, he won't mind me saying it, but he didn't get a scholarship and he really struggled and went off the rails for a little bit and it really affected him. And it's kind of the support. I know I'm rambling, rambling on a bit, but the whole support network around it just needs a major overhaul um, and just, yeah, regulating massively. I used to run the venue and we used to have in the diaries the, the obviously every, what was it? It was Monday, Wednesday, Friday, where they were when they spun the turf. And then every quarter they'd have obviously the release nights and they were just, I mean, I'd been a football fan and I'd be behind the bar and the parents come to the bar getting the teas and coffees, waiting to take the kid up. Yeah. Some of the scenes, you saw, I mean, you were talking like eight-year-olds bawling their eyes out and the dad just looking yeah. pissed off. And you're like, well, and then you look at it and you think, okay, I don't know if he's pissed off that he's, that he's son. I don't know if he's pissed. And you just think this is, this is, the whole thing is horrendous. This is not the yeah. way to do it. I don't know what the way is, but this isn't the way to do it. It just isn't. On a cold Tuesday night, telling, killing this kid's dreams. Just, oh, it's just awful. We used to, we used to have like reports um, every kind of, three months or so and we used to get graded one to ten and we had to grade ourselves and the coach would grade us and write comments yeah. on where we improve I mean, subs you'll remember this but yeah just just fucking horrendous having to go through that and like yeah it's, it, there's so much pressure around it and there's a lot around mental health these days and but yeah you've got to be so tough to cope with that and the, the amount of people that fall off the wayside and then hit the bottle and like just yeah and it knocks them sideways um, and I, I I don't know the answer like I'm not within the FA or anything like that but um that but you you seeing that father and dad walk out that door that's it that's cut all ties now what does that kid do now mm. do you know what I mean he's going to go back to school on Monday and he can't wear the tracksuit anymore that's the that's exactly. what I think about he's going to go yeah, back yeah. to school on Monday and tell everyone that he doesn't play for Lincoln City anymore or whatever club it is yeah. and, and the, the reality of it is though is you just follow the money it won't change because, like you said about Man City signing three-year-olds up, they're signing three-year-olds up because they don't know what they're going to get. And yeah. for every one three-year-old who's as shit as I was, they might find a, a Jaden Sancho. So yeah. it, it's... it's... You, look at, you look at Lincoln City standard now and, like, the coaches that we had that were making a decision on potentially my career grow, moving forward were people that had never played the game professionally. Yeah. Like... Yes, there were coaches. They might have been a UA, level two or UEFA B, but they had no fucking idea. Like one of the coaches, I'm stubs you remember him, um, Andy McGill. He's he's a lecturer at the college. Do you know what I mean? And that he had he the amount of people he must have let go, and he's just named one one that let first me name. go. <laughs> That's what I mean. He was a he's, very good coach, a very very <laughs> smart coach. <laughs> <laughs> Knew his shit by all accounts. Knew his shit, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, but, Carl's too small to be a goalkeeper. No, but, on it, to be to be honest with you, just against what you well, not against what you've just said there. Like, I was quite lucky at Lincoln um, in like with specialist goalkeeping coaches because, well, for a start, I was quite lucky. Up until I was about fourteen, my goalkeeper coach did my. Um, assessment. So I had Barry Richardson. I don't know whether you know Baz Richardson. Yeah, Unbelievable coach. Great bloke. Yeah. Learned absolutely shitloads off him. 
Um, following him, I had a guy called... Do you, do you remember Daz Horrigan? No. Geordie, lad. Um, he, was like, he, was, he, was Mazza, he was Mazza's number two, wasn't he? Mazza's number two. Yeah. Great bloke, again. And because he'd been through it all and come through all the systems and all that, he, was, he, he weren't old himself. He was maybe 22, 23, something like that, when he was my coach. And the way that he went through everything was absolutely brilliant. Like, because he was on a level with him almost and an understanding. And then from, I had a guy called Dave Smith, who was, he was a good, he was a nice bloke, a good, a good coach, but probably not. It was probably unfair on him because I had two before him that were so good. So he yeah. wasn't like crap, but the two before were just excellent. And again, they understood it. And then from 14, 15 and 16, I had outfield coaches doing a goalkeeping assessment. I'm like, like some of the shit that they were coming out with was like utter bollocks. Like yeah. genuinely, like absolutely ridiculous. Like it does my head in. Like you're listening to pundits on Gillette on um, Super Sunday about um, some numb nuts talking about what a goalkeeper should never get beat at his near post. Well, it's irrelevant. Like it doesn't matter whether he Myth. gets beat at his near post or his far post, he's still getting beat. Like, it's yeah. not any worse because it's his near post. He's still got in. Goalkeeper, it's such a specialist position that you can't be, in my opinion, I don't feel that unless you're, you've ever played the position or have the coaching qualifications, it's a completely different ball game altogether. I mean, I don't know what you, how you find it, Dan, whether you have specialist goalkeepers in the kicks, kids football or anything, or whether it's just play football, enjoy yourself, everyone has a cracking goal and so yeah. on, but... Yeah, I mean, yeah. Fat kid, isn't it? The fat kid does in the goal. That's the rules. <laughs> We're confused about. No, Are you a good keeper? <laughs> but no, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. Like, I, I, I know, I know how to do a W and like ball, on the balls of your feet, chest over your knees and stuff like that, and how to dive at angles and stuff, but. I ain't got a clue. I've played the game for God knows how long, but I couldn't tell you how, what the right technique is to get down for a dive and which, like, yeah, I know the basics, but like, not to a standard where I can judge someone on their career and potential livelihood moving forward, not a chance. And that's the worrying thing that there's people, and that's just goalkeeping, goalkeeper specific, but there's so many people, as you say, making decisions on these kids that, like, just aren't fit to do it. And I, the, th the thing that's difficult is that, like, especially at the time that I was down at Lincoln, and I don't know whether I did a little bit of coaching for Lincoln as well once I'd, I'd left with the goalkeepers. And they were just have it. They literally had nobody to, to coach. I went and did it as a on a voluntary basis just because I wanted to give a little bit back to because I'd received it all throughout everything I'd done and I hated playing. So I just wanted to keep in touch a little bit. And like there's all for me to get the thing there is literally like, I'll come do a bit. And they're like, oh, brilliant. Happy days. Come and do it. Like, all right. Yeah. Is, that, is that literally it? Like, oh, I've got CRB as well. So yeah, that's how yeah. then you come. Yeah. That's and literally that, that, the only that, boxes they were after. Yeah. Time's moved on and they have put a lot of money and time into, into it. Um, but again, like, some of the coaches there, it's all egotistical in terms of I'm a Lincoln City coach, I've got this, I've got that. It's not it's nothing to do with you as a coach. You're developing players like 
the coach is irrelevant. You do your job to coach the kids. Like your ego should be set aside totally. You're you're doing everything you can to make these kids kind of. And there's there's a lot of power trips and stuff like that on it. But yeah, it's it's a it's a fickle old world. And yeah, I I just don't agree with it. And I'm I'm glad I've got two little girls, and not a little boy. Because yeah, I I would have probably ruffled a few feathers if he ever got into football and moved through the system and that the same way I did. But yeah. I tell you what was for, uh, fascinating for me is when um, Jamie Forrester was doing his um, coaching badges, he was doing them on our, like, or, or I think we was under 15s or under 16s at the time. And just his, like I was playing in goal, obviously in goal and he was doing like a shooting session with the, the strikers. And just yeah. like in the, in that session that he did to do his badge, I learned, and not from a goalkeeping perspective, but from how a strike, how he's thinking and how a striker's thinking, just with little bits of movement, how he's going to lose the, the centre half and just like the angles he's trying to make, this, that and the other. In that hour session, I learned more off him than I did in probably, the, not that I was paying too much interest in what the strikers were doing, but in yeah. that hour than I was in the last four years at Lincoln like it was absolutely yeah. fascinating and that just shows you the the standard of the coach that is out there and it's, it's yeah. the same with the referees to a degree like referees don't play the game like the good referees have played and it's the same with the coaches a good coach has played the game to a decent level I think as yeah. a general rule 100% and ja Jamie it's funny because Jamie actually sold me the pitches at the arena he was the rep that got me like the pictures, the turf at the arena. Um, and we had that, he came down to the arena and we had a bit of a discussion and he's in the same mindset as me. He absolutely hates football. Um, and he, he won't do anything in terms of player appearances and all that sort of stuff these days unless he gets paid for it. Because like, he can care less about football. He just wants, all he's bothered about is golf. Um, he couldn't wait to get away from it. And he'd be a great guy to get on and, have a chat if you want me to hook me up, hook you up. Let me know. We can't uh, get Jamie Forrester right. on. Can't get him on. He's oh. ex Leeds, isn't he? I'll just be spunking everywhere. He <laughs> scored an overhead kick in a, in a youth cup semi final, mate. I'd be, yeah. I'd be gone, just staring his eyes. For I don't know whether you guys follow Drew Broughton these days. And he was, we always thought he was proper fruit loots, but look him up and see what he's doing now. But because yeah, such a clever guy and incredible what he's doing now in terms of the fear and follow him on LinkedIn and social media and all that sort of stuff. And he's working with some of the top pros. I used to think he was an absolute freak. Um, and I don't mind, I'll tell him that. But yeah, he, he, some, he was ahead of the game in terms of what he was trying to do um, with his body and the coaching and everything else. So yeah, it's strange and like it, again I, I keep saying it football's a matter of opinions and these these at certain different points these people that you face don't fit and that's from seven-year-old all the way up that yeah they're, they're dictating the future of your life as such aren't they there is good things in place though like uh, we briefly mentioned it earlier like glenn hoddle set up his academy to yeah. to yeah. give those people like like cluey like the well, in his case, it is about fifth chance, but you know yeah. that sort of second chance where your your face hasn't quite fit at the club that you're at. But by no means is this the end sort of thing I for you. Look at Man City that are giving private educations out and stuff. So no matter what, even if you don't make the grade, you're 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 set up to achieve away from football because you've got a private education and stuff. So yeah, I mean. It, 
again, it, it comes down to money, but there's, there's, there's a lot of good things happening, but it's taken however many years to, to get to that point. And there's a, still a hell of a long way to go for sure. It's like everything in football, it needs top-down reform and it needs it needs a very serious conversation and an adult conversation. It's not it's not just this, it's we've had the on previous podcasts, we talked about VAR and and there's there's loads and the PFA need looking at everything needs reform and it and it just it's just something so old. Football is the way football is, we talk about these fancy academies, but it still comes down to a lot of the guy the guy in the trench coat going out and not in that way, but you know, what I mean the guy in a in a club bench coat, going to the side of the pitch, or let's pick the yeah. best player and get into the cat. That hasn't changed in since the dawn no. of football. So no. it needs and, to and, somewhere or another. Yeah, and you 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 look at football. No, no matter how you look at this, football's a business, and I don't agree with the 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 Premier League basically tying up the rest of the the, the leagues and stuff. It's a business. You don't see Amazon topping up kind of the lower smaller businesses, do you? Um, and it is ruthlessly run as a business. Um, and then there needs to be something happening. The FA, like, the, so Midlinks, you look at Midlinks and Lincoln, the, the, the league here is run, run by 80 year old, 90 year old blokes that are like dinosaurs. The FA is exactly the same. There's no fresh impetus yeah. of people like players that have played the game. Um, that are actually within it and understand it. It, it, yeah, it's 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 almost like a massive call it the QE two. It takes forever to turn and shift and move, whereas it needs kind of a bit of a shake up and being able to adapt with the times. And we're always we're always as, as in terms of, um, and that's just that's the whole ethos. I know England have got their DNA program and all that now, but you look at Germany's academy stuff, like and how they're creating top top players throughout and like you've got your way for b coaches at grassroots level and just their whole system is unbelievable and the uk we always seem to like england we always used to seem to be years behind the trend oh they've done well we'll, we'll follow what they're doing but well they've already adapted and gone further so yeah could talk oh. for days on it well on to stubsy's show and tell this is going to be fun go on stubsy so um, my show and tell this week is our new beloved Goat Borg. <laughs> so, as you can, well, Dan's not too happy about it, but uh, me and Stocksy's pulled rank here, and we've just the goat in the in the title. Dan's going to say it's greatest of all time, but nonsense. It's actually about Goat Borg. That's what that's all, all we really care about. Our new Swedish team. So, founded in 1904. Yeah, our, our nickname is the Blad. I think it's it, it said as a as an Englishman, I'm going to say it as Blavit, but probably is like Blave because it's from Sweden, which is basically means uh, blue and white. Fascinating so far. Um, we are the only Nordic club to win a UEFA competition. We won the UEFA Cup in 1982 and 1987. I had tried to look up some famous players that we've had playing for us. Didn't know any of them, unfortunately. So, basically, all of our players ended in Sun. A lot of Goodmansons and... 
Andersons. <laughs> so I think they're all related along the line. Um, our woman, our women's team was called Copperberg FC, which was named as the brewery funded the team, but they folded last year because Copperberg couldn't be asked anymore. Um, but yeah, they were our women's team. <laughs> I can't wait for um, us to be sweating around the active arena in Goatberg uh, full kit <laughs> on a Tuesday night. <laughs> Copperberg on our back. Um, and uh, I think the, the best stat I've got is that Sven Goran Eriksson managed us in 1979 to 1982. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you've committed and it's all. Ma oh. ma managed us, yeah. Committed, <laughs> fully committed, aren't you, Stubbsy? Well, we, we now support. Well, there's no point just putting the tip in, is there, Stubbs? Can, 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 tell, you're, can tell you're on furlough. Jesus. <laughs> oh, and my and the best. Uh, my, sorry, I've, I've missed this out. This was my. We won. What uh, are the only club team in any sport to win the Jeering Award, which is the award in Sweden for the best sports performance, and we won it in 1982. When we won the UEFA Cup. It's usually a Volvo a, that wins it. What a night. What a, what a year that was for us. <laughs> Honestly, we... 1982, we... 1982, formidable. The old Blavets. the Blavets. Abba was playing. Everyone's swinging oh, yeah. Eureka Johnson around the room. Oh, what a night. <laughs> And I think, yeah, well, I think we need to organise a, a trip out to see Goatborg, um, just because the women, the women in Sweden, fantastic. Get out with the Goatborg um, Ultras. Yeah, the Goatborg. Yeah, I reckon they're just like the guy at the front stands there with a goat on a fork. And then Dead like, goat, swinging it. Yeah. <laughs> Blood everywhere. Up the gold. <laughs> um, so yeah, so our our uh, that's our team in Sweden as a as a podcast. We now support Goatborg, uh, and we will be checking in on results every week. Uh, Put the goat on the Goatborg update every single week. <laughs> How do you feel well, about this, Dan? Well. We're going to Sweden and we get some nice flat pack furniture as well, nip to IKEA. Some meatballs. You get some meatballs. Meatballs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Six pounds of goat, goat's balls. Go, goat's balls and probably yeah, it's about 12, 12 or fifteen quid a pint over there, isn't it? Something ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, IKEA I've got my wallet. IKEA, if you're listening, we are open Typical to leads. <laughs> <laughs> or any meatball production company, or Abbott, or Copperberg, we're, we're open. We're, we're here. Just Are you allowed to talk about Copperberg? Not, no, Recorderlig <laughs> is, is the brand we actually want at Swedish Cider. <laughs> if we're talking about Swedish Cider, it should be Recorderlig. <laughs> Stay brand loyal. <laughs> right, moving swiftly on before DT sends some more daggers down the airwaves. Come on, DT. Show and tell. No, I was just going to bring to the uh, bring to your attention the 
one thing that really has started to boil my piss is when commentators apologise for bad language. Yeah, it's fucking annoying. Uh, like it, it's during COVID, all we've all we've done is well, we've had football to watch, which has been saving grace for most. But it really, really started. It's really starting to grate on me when they're like, "Oh, sorry if you heard any foul language there." It's just like. Fucking hell, mate. That's all we want to hear. Like, we literally <laughs> sat watching it on the TV and all we want to do is be in the stadium doing exactly that. So don't stop apologising for it. We hear it. We know it's there. But just stop fucking saying it. It does my head in. I'll take it one step further. I watched the boxing on Saturday night and Josh Warrington got cleaned out twice, bless him. And the corner was obviously vociferous. And even on that, it was 11 o'clock at night. It was only piss folks eating kebabs that were watching it. And they apologise for swearing. What does vociferous mean? Angry. <laughs> but literally, <laughs> they are punching each other's brains out. No one on the, no one's yeah. watching it going, oh, yeah, but can you mind the language a bit, lads? I mean, I know it's violent. There's no barber of a and slippers on, is there? Yeah, come That's on, lads. Just... <laughs> I like seeing other men rip the shit out of each other for a living, but just keep the language down, will you? <laughs> we, talk, we, talk, we talked about it the other week as well, though. Like some, some of the lack of research in, you know, in, uh, in the commentary box as well is just, like, awful. And it just kind of made me think about some of, like, the worst things that, they've, that people have ever said. Like, thankfully, I mean, I haven't heard much of Michael Owen lately, so hopefully he's, he's out of a... A comms job, but he used to say stupid stuff like, "Oh, whichever team scores most usually wins," and it's just like, "Well, yes, man. <laughs> thanks for stating the fucking obvious." If my auntie had a cock, she'd be my uncle. Like, <laughs> I, don't, it, I just don't get how these people are in fucking jobs. Oh, if it was on target, it'd have gone in. Well, only, if, only if Carl was in goal, especially near post. <laughs> yeah, near post. Oh, was above his head. Couldn't reach it. Uh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> but yeah, and and just I just think the general general quality of commentating is just. Come on, Dan. Name names. Who's the worst? Well, well, I was listening to I was watching Lincoln last night, and uh, obviously our game got moved from Saturday to Sunday because uh, of the frozen pitch, and that's fine. But BBC Radio Lincolnshire decided that they didn't want to stop doing the automated jingles halfway through the first half so we had four lots of Lionel Richie playing different and actually to be honest it was better than the commentary because the two dinosaurs that are commentating on the football at the minute are just yeah no good so if your dad's if your dad ever gets the full-time Lincoln gig down he gets my he gets my vote so start a petition mate I will do I think him and Sam Ashu should be doing it to be honest yeah Right, on to my show and tell. Let's win the Euros, boys, because there's nothing else to do this year. So let's win the Euros. I'll put my team out first and then you follow up with yours. Uh, mine's slightly controversial, but I've been watching Bielsa Ball now for two and a half seasons. So I'm all out attacking. I don't believe in defending. So my first one, I didn't really know how to pick in goal because I think they're both shite. So I picked Pope just because he's the lesser of two. Do you mean both shite? Pickford's pretty shit and all. See, again, you're the issue. You're the fucking issue. <laughs> <laughs> it goes uphill from here. Don't worry. Stay with it. So, uh, Trent Alexander Arnold at right back because he's just unbelievable. What he's just the kids are kids are specimen. He's at right back. He's had the Have worst season going. Have you seen his stats this year? Doesn't matter. You can pick him up in a minute. 
He's still better than anybody else back there. He's still better than Carl Walker having his orgy, isn't he? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say. Yeah. He's shagged out with Carl Walker. You've only picked two players. We're not making it out of the group stage with yours. Stones and Dyer <laughs> at centre-half. You've got the vision and you've got the brick. You've got the, 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 the guy to head the ball away and the guy to pass the ball out. Beautiful. It's cover for the goalkeeper. Uh... Can't pass. Mr Chelsea, Ben Chilwell, left back. Obviously, to go up and down that wing. Uh, the, the best holding midfielder this country's ever produced in Calvin Phillips, just holding in front of the back four. And then, and then we're all out attacking. I knew he was going to be in there. And then... <laughs> We're all out of tack here now. So we've got we've got a four in front of Calvin because Calvin come off everything up. Don't he's, he's a wonder kid. So don't worry about it. So the four in front of him, Mason Mount. What does Madison. it? What does his cock taste like? Don't know. I've never got. I've got a restraining order against me. I can't even get him within ten yards of him. So you've got Mason Mount, Madison, Bowden, and Grealish in front of Calvin Phillips. That's attacking isn't it. That's going to win games on its own. Look all the free kicks they can take. And then uh, Mason Mount, yeah, Madison, Foden, yeah. and Grealish. Grealish on yeah. the left. So you've got four sitting in front of Calvin Phillips. And if he's injured, not that he will be because he's a specimen, it'll be Declan Rice sat in there instead. And then um, I've just edged Harry Kane over Patrick Bamford. Just. Just. He only <laughs> just gets the knob. Patrick Bamford. <laughs> Just gets the nod. What a, um, what a clown. Oh, just to round it off, just before the Euro starts, Southgate and his fucking cheap suit from MS is getting the boot, and Harry Redknapp's running this team all out of town. <laughs> <laughs> well, Crouchy's got to be in there then. <laughs> Crouchy, Nico Crouchy. Nico. Nico. <laughs> Nico, we're going to the Euro, son. Nico, <laughs> your pants, son. Crouchy, you're on the plane, son. Got Ed Room. <laughs> Jamie. Come <laughs> on, beat that. You can't beat that. So that, that team would win the Euros. Go on, Stubbo. Well, Stocksy's thought that we've only got two goalkeepers in England. I'm going to go for a third one in Dean Henderson in there. No, I can't have a scum uh, Sorry, no scum allowed. Uh, I think he's uh, head and shoulders above everything else he's got, to be fair. Don't play um, for his team. You're hammering Alexander-Arnold. He doesn't even play for Man United. He hasn't got any stats. You're hammering Alexander-Arnold's stats. He hasn't got any stats. He doesn't play. He plays in the League Cup. Reese James is going to be my right back. Can't argue with that. He's an good player. Uh, John Stones, who I think has been absolutely class this year, Harry Maguire and uh, Luke Shaw. Now, you may say Harry Maguire, and I know you're going to fucking go at him, but those two actually played very, very well together in the Euros. Was it Euros? I just, no, World Cup. That was when we had three at the back, though. I just don't, I don't see how Maguire fits into a two, to be honest. That's a pretty hefty left-hand side as well, and that's going to weigh the plane down, lads, in fucking hell. <laughs> His head and his, and, his, and his torso. Fuck me, the plane won't get off the ground. Uh, with Luke Shaw at left back. Boom, 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 boom. Who's yeah. following him around with the sax with the tuba? <laughs> get up that wing. Uh, I'm going... Uh, 
This was very hard. The hardest bit for me, to be fair, because I wanted to get Madison in so badly, but I just can't get him in. Uh, so I've got Jaden Sancho, Jack Grealish, Jordan Henderson holding holding the ship together with Foden and Sterling, and then Harry Kane up top. Was Bamford close to your team as well, or was it just mine? Uh, Bamford isn't in my 50. <laughs> my 50. I think you've been very disrespectful of the fourth best goal scorer in the league this year. <laughs> I'm only taking three strikers. Who's your manager, Stubbsy? Who's managing it? Are you sticking with Southgate? Southgate, you're the one. Oh. You still turn me on. Absolutely. <laughs> Mr. M&S. DT, roll with it. Uh, so I'm I'm in favour of Henderson. I know he doesn't play a great deal of football, but I, I'm not a, I'm not a Pickford fan. Um, I do quite like Pope, to be honest, but I think uh, I do like Henderson. Um, I've got I've got on form. I can't I can't select Alexander Arnold on form this year, but he's obviously going. He's obviously on the plane, but I think Reese James. Dyer, Stones and Chilwell make up my back four. Uh, I've gone Henderson sitting in front and then uh, He's Foden. A Foden, Iron. Grealish, Sterling and Kane. What was that midfield then? If I rudely interrupted. So I've gone hang on a sec. So I've gone uh, Henderson goal, James at left back, Dyer. Stones, Chilwell. Henderson. You got two left backs. No, Evan. He's just leaving the right hand side completely open. He's playing two at the left back. It was, it's interesting. Right. I, mean, I, I say I watched Bielsa. I mean, that's fascinating. Reese James has been playing right back, hasn't he? You go and well, hold Chilwell's you... hand. He looks cold. You go and hold his hand. You, 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 <laughs> you just crazy. said. His you dad just keeps said, yelling at him. I'll have James at left back. No, 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 no. Sorry. James at right back. We had this conversation at the start. James right back, Dyer, Stones, Chilwell at left back, um, Henderson sat in front, and then Foden, Grealish, Madison, and then uh, Sterling and Kane. Okay. Leaving a bench of, Ra of Rashford, oh. Mount, Calvert-Lewin. Sancho, Abraham, Phillips, Bamford, if he gets the nod. I think, to be honest, it'll be. I, I, I just really hope that he goes with that that young flair and just lets them fucking play. He won't. He's bottled it now. Post Croatia, mate, he's bottled it. <laughs> Since we got turned over by Croatia, it's been boring. They've called in midfielders the last three friendlies. Got Calvin Phillips and and um, Declan Rice holding hands in the middle. It's pointless. One uh, one person that just. I, I mean. They've just got to let Foden go, aren't they, really? And just yeah. kind of go, just give him the freedom of it because he's just a different, he's just a different level. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, it'll be key to us being anywhere near successful, I think. All right. X, Lincoln City, centre half, go. You can't put yourself as manager. Okay. David Seaman in goal. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'd pick him now over <laughs> fucking Henderson. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I think it kind of speaks for itself. Um, goalkeeper and centre halves are the problem issue, isn't it? So, yeah, I'm kind of going with the majority in terms of Henderson. Um, 
seeing him play is good. Um, I think Trent right back is always going to come good. Um, teams in a sticky patch will come good. Stones. Now, I want to put Keane in there. Well, left back. Um, and then I'll have Henderson sitting, Foden and Grealish in front of him, Sancho left, uh, Sterling right, and then Kane up front, playing very attack-minded. So, yeah, that's mine. Are you mine. sticking with Southgate, or are you, are you picking the manager? Yeah, yeah there's no the reason lady. to get rid of him, is there? Starting, um, starting as he means to, yeah, I think he's the right man for now. Um, I don't see anyone better. I've heard rumours that Southgate's trying to get Goatborg's right back, uh, Alexander <laughs> Alexander Jarlo, a uh, his uh, passport sorted, so he'll be on the plane. Don't worry about J- Jarlison. <laughs> <laughs> Had to get yeah, him in for Brexit. <laughs> Smuggle him in on a crate of recorder league. He's at- He's only given the ball away 634 times this year, which is uh, 400 less than Trent Alexander-Arnold. So, we're all good. <laughs> That's similar to Honey's record, but he played right back then four times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Have you ever seen a Bean play at right back? Hey, I, I was pacey, you know. Pacey. Had a long throw as well. Or oh, if only Pulis would have picked you up. Seen oh, that, that throw that's been going around the internet today. The guy who did the somersault on the touchline to and like bounced off the ball and then, and yeah, then it's threw too it showy for me. That ridiculous. Neil Walker could be going round today. Have you been sat in a hole for the last ten years? No, it's a new one. No, it's a new it's one. A new one. Oh, is it? Not that old one. Yeah, it's, no. it's the guy in the face, which has done the rounds for ten no, years. No, he does like a handstand on the ball. Oh no, mate, I'm fucking king of handstands. <laughs> Check out my Instagram. <laughs> mate, oh, I mean, only just, just record this for me. <laughs> only was involved, mate. He was doing them. Still doing them. Who the cameraman was? It's all coming <laughs> out oh, now. Oh, no. <laughs> Three sets of ten these days. Getting massive. <laughs> So uh, the last section is on lists. Um, So Listiano, Ronaldo, list off Dugary. DT, go first with your three elite grounds, buddy. Uh, Three elites. Um, I went to the Amsterdam Arena to watch uh, England against Holland, which was absolutely unbelievable. an unbelievable ground facility was just ridiculous. And the atmosphere was pretty special that night. Um, Wembley watching Lincoln win the um, whoa, 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 whoa. Trophy. hang on, hang on, watching well, North Ferriby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> someone, um, someone scored at Wembley, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just hang on a minute, let me just pick that mic up. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, Wembley watching Lincoln win the win the Football League trophy. Um, where you cried? Where I cried, yeah. It was a special moment. And uh, then also, I mean, as much as it kind of gets a bit of stick for being a complete library, I think the ground itself is pretty spectacular. Um, and watching Lincoln there in a in an FA Cup quarterfinal, Emirates is my is my other one. Stubbsy elite grounds. Uh, purely based on atmosphere, um, 
And one of my first footballing uh, experiences, mum took us to the uh, playoff final at Cardiff, Millennium Stadium, and it was absolutely like mind blowing. As when the when the um, roof was closed, when the roof was closed in two thousand and three, I think it was. Yeah, phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal ground. Um, Ipswich, at Portman Road. I don't know why. It was just like the enclosed nature of the roof and like the the noise just bounced around the place. It was absolutely insane. And you can't not pick Wembley, can you? I mean, what a place that is. That day that we had there, Stocks and Dan, was phenomenal, wasn't it, in the VIP oh, yeah, suite? Yeah. I, oh, yeah. Oh, in the FA lounge, we made it that in day. The FA, yeah. oh, oh, we made it that day. Is that Ru- the same Ruby. as the winner's lounge? Yeah, rubbing, rubbing shoulders. Oh, with my days. They've renamed it. They renamed it the Danny Hone North Ferryby Lounge. They renamed it. Was that the <laughs> way? Yeah. Oh, I'm out of microphones. <laughs> Clang. You're going to fucking pick, put your back out, picking down, bending over to pick them up. It's the only bit I can gloat about. The rest of it was dog shit. Let's have your relief rounds, Danny. What you got for us? Uh, Wembley, obviously, for obvious reasons. I played there once. Um, I won. I think I've mentioned that. Um, the <laughs> King <laughs> Leicester King Power Stadium. Um, unbelievable ground. The change rooms are like, yeah, class. Um, we drew 0-0. Um, lost on pens. But, yeah, that ground was a joke. And then um, just for its old... Nate, like the character and the history behind it, the Forest uh, City Ground, like I absolutely loved it there. Like it, it just oozes history and yeah, class. Absolutely, I love playing there. That was brilliant. The pitch was huge, but yeah, that, that Carling Cup, wasn't it? The Leicester one. No City Ground. So no, that was we FA Cup. There. Was it FA Cup? Yeah, FA was. Cup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They lose points because they play Mull of Kintyre before kickoff. <laughs> How do you not lose points for atmosphere when you play Mull of Kintyre? Paul McCartney's <laughs> shitty song. How do you not lose? Fucking, they're embarrassing. And I remember I mean, you played in... It was it Louis Dodd scored for us that night. Yeah, yeah. We lost we, about we three one. We drew one of the home was legs. It's my, it's my full debut three, against Forrest. Junior yeah. Agogo and Nathan Tyson. Absolute <laughs> rapid machines. Yeah. Uh, Wembley's yeah. on mine as well because it's home of football and we've had some great experiences there. I've uh, never seen my, my club win there, unfortunately, uh, but it can't win at all. Uh, the Emirates, again, that's on three of ours, I think, the Emirates. We've just, I was lucky enough to do corporate in there last year and it was, honestly, they couldn't do any more for you. I think I was, if I went up one more stage in the corporate, I think I'd have got a massage at half-time and then one <laughs> more stage again and you get a special massage. One more, that's correct <laughs> shit. Like, but I didn't quite get up the lift in that. I didn't quite get there, but it was amazing regardless. They're shit fans, terrible atmosphere, and it's wasted on them, completely wasted on them because they're shite at, at Arsenal. And then I was lucky enough finally to go to Anfield last year. It was um, My seats were terrible in the way, but the, yeah, there's something very special about Anfield. It, it reeks of history, absolutely reeks of it. Um, your shite ground, Stubbsy, but you had a good time there or you had some sort of experience. Give me your three shit grounds. Uh, so my first shit ground is Solihull Moors. Fuck, oh, mate, what a shit. shit hole that is. 
But yeah, well, the the, uh, the away end was a Tesco's uh, Tesco's trolley thing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely horrendous, but we won one nil. Um, and then once we, they literally never had so many fans there. We got a parking ticket because we had to park on the dual carriageway. It was an absolute <laughs> shit show. <laughs> right next to the airport as well, isn't it? Oh, mate. Played there a few times, mate. It's horrendous. But absolute bumhole. You go in, like, into the their, like, bars like a working man's club. Oh, it's just absolute shite. Um, said was my uh, is number two on my list because you're about five miles from the pitch. <laughs> They're the worst ones. Going around the, you've got a running track going around the pitch and then the stand's about another three miles back past that. It's ridiculous. But again, with the day that Lincoln was 1-0 down with five minutes to go and 1-2-1, so that sweetened it up a little bit. Um, and then I just thought, oh, what a shithole. Burnley. Oh, like, for a Premier League, Premier League ground. Horrific. There's still wooden seats in there, for fuck's sake. <laughs> no shame in that, mate. There's wooden seats at Ellen Road and all. But it's still a shithole, it's Turf Moor. Yeah, absolute shithole. But, yeah, fairly decent day there and all. To be fair. And then, do you want to list your worst experience, ground? My worst experience was a Tuesday night in the FA Cup, um, 2013, I'm going to go. And we away at Plymouth. And after you win. two minutes, we were 1-0 down. After five minutes, we were 2-0 down. After 25 minutes, we were 3-0 down. After 35 minutes, we were 4 0 down. <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was down in fucking Plymouth about four hours from my house. I was absolutely delighted on a Tuesday night. Yeah. It was absolute. I think we only lost 5 0 in the end, but yeah. 4 0 down after 35 minutes on a Tuesday night in Plymouth. The uh I've I've never been again since. I'm scarred for life. I've been to Plymouth. Uh, DT? Yeah, so um, my my top three worst grounds that I kind of... I'm, I've actually got two, two the same as... Um, two the same as Stubbsy. Um, Burnley, absolute dump for, you know, the, the area around the ground is, is just horrible. Um, and then, obviously, it was obviously the FA Cup game that we were there, so obviously it was a shit, shit ground, but... <clears throat> Really, like the atmosphere was just absolutely insane, um, insane that that day. Um, and then actually, you probably won't like this, Dan, but the week after Burnley, we played North Ferriby away, and it was like <laughs> massive it was game. Like, that was. It was such a huge game. So there's obviously all the the um, hype around the FA Cup run, but then also we you know we really had to kind of stay focused on staying, you know, on top um, in the league and. Playing, it was away at North Ferriby. It absolutely fucking pissed it down. There was like, was it windy as well? Yeah, there's 2,200 <laughs> people there, and there was 2,170 Lincoln fans. And it was just, you have to walk through an, an allotment to get to the ground. And <laughs> it was just, you, had to go to, uh, you had to go to the local post office to collect your ticket. I know. It was, it was, <laughs> I mean, it was, 
there's something quite nice about it but at the same time it's just best like, ground in, in the uk that unbelievable <laughs> um, did you see my picture up in there by any chance oh why did you did you do something there <laughs> you've got sleep yeah, i don't know why yeah, I did. Yeah. Home lounge. That's two. One at Wembley as well. <laughs> I, I was the one that scored the goal to get him into that league. <laughs> um, and then the other, the other, the other one of my three is um, in two thousand. I'm trying to think uh, what year it was. I think. I think it was two thousand two, two thousand three. I was at, it was Carlisle away. Um, and I, I went on. I went on the bus on a Tuesday night, and I was one of thirty-four Lincoln fans on the uh, on the terrace, and uh, it was fucking freezing. And we won four-one somehow. Um, it weren't much wanted... better when we went a couple of years ago, was it? It was snowing all the way there. <laughs> oh God, that was awful. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that that was kind of like, like absolute shite journey on a bus. Things you do, you know, leave school early and bunk off and get on the. You know, get on the coach and, and go all the way up there and then get back at four in the morning. But, you know, to win 4-1 and there's only 30 of you on one bus, it was fucking brilliant. Um, and then my worst experience, I, I hate Grimsby, like, full stop. It's just an absolute shithole. Everything about the place just needs burning to the ground. But um, it's really my, really good, my kind of standout bad experience. Ah, mate, I've got splinters sat on the fence. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, the, the game in the playoffs when we lost the uh, we lost the second leg of the playoffs um, in 04, 05, I think. Um, we uh, we were on the bus that day because dad dad basically wanted he, he was kind of we were going to drive and dad was like no I'm not not taking a car even if they see that the car's from Lincoln they'll end up bricking it and anyway we we went on the coach and. the the coach got bricked instead and uh, there, was, there was glass coming in inside on people's laps and stuff. It's fucking horrible. I just never, I've just never liked the place. It just, yeah, it's a shit on. Howdy. Yeah. Uh, I've got a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> a hell of a lot, but I'm going to, I've narrowed it down, I think. Um, so, uh, Barrow, <laughs> Inverness. Oh. I can oh the Tuesday night game there. I can remember the goalkeeper taking a goal kick. Obviously, I was on loan there for six months, and uh, one of the first games was the Tuesday night game. The goalkeeper took the goal kick, and I kid, I like this is no word of a lie. I was stood on the eighteen yard box trying to head it, um, and yeah, I just literally <laughs> spent. <laughs> he kicked it, just came straight back at me, and I was heading it, and we just spent like the first half literally I didn't move off the 18 yard line it was either a throw in a corner or a goal kick that was it the whole first half um the second one is Barnett's old underhill ground um just yeah playing uphill into wind I remember like what the last time we played I think we won like four three and we were playing into snow like a snow blizzard in my face uphill into yeah horrible uh, but the worst one, and oh, I wouldn't wish it on anyone, is Workington away on a Tuesday night. And uh, I remember like running, and the first minute I made a slide tackle, and 
like the, the water was coming over your boot and like you're just sinking it. And I made a slide attack and literally I was head to toe covered, dripping wet. It was freezing, pissing down my rain. And I was, just, yeah, I just wanted to get off and get in the shower then. Um, but yeah, they're three horrendous ones. I could name many more. Stocksbridge comes to mind. Like, yeah, Macclesfield, Accrington, that, there's loads, loads. And they say uh, being a professional footballer isn't glamorous. Well, some names oh. starts there. The tour, isn't it? Jesus. Oof, yeah. Right. So going around the lower leagues with Leeds for the last 16 years, not all been the glamorous of the last six months of the Premier League. Not that we're allowed to go to games, but um, Oldham, I went there quite a few times in League One. I was there for three years. There was one night that stuck out. We'd, we'd released a centre-half the year before, Sean Gregan, fat waste of space, slow as fuck. And it was the 93rd minute Ball's gone over the top and he's booted it into the car park. Looked at the away end and given it the game over, lads. Yeah, all this shit you've been giving me. We uh, took a massive long throw, got a flick on, back of the net, about the 94th minute, went fucking ballistic. It was absolute freezing. It's an absolute shithole, but an amazing night. And uh, Blackburn's on the list just because it's the largest away end uh, in the Football League. And we regularly took 6,000 there every year and it was amazing. I don't think we won, I don't think. I can't remember us winning there, but the whole day was amazing because there's so many Leeds fans would go. It was incredible. And Brentford's old ground, uh, again, never seen us win there. It's a bit of a shithole, but there's four pubs, obviously one on each corner, and it's great. You just go in all each of the different pubs, and the Brentford fans are really friendly as well, so you're having a good few jars with them, and it's just class, just a really good day. Obviously, I haven't been to the new one yet, um, and the old ground isn't that far away. And then my, my biggest shithole... Uh, is is Millwall? Um, I've been there probably four or five times now, and it's just horrific. The grounds are shithole. The things it's just a police operation the whole day. But the worst one was I was on holiday with my then girlfriend, now wife, and we had a couple of kids, and we were in Whitby on holiday, and uh, I left the hotel really, really early, sort of six, five, six o'clock. Got on the bus at Leeds all the way down to Millwall to watch us lose two nil. Uh, got back in bed that day on my holiday about one in the morning and then was up at seven to travel back to Lincoln. So I spent a whole Saturday <laughs> of my holiday <laughs> travelling down to London to watch us get beat. And it was absolutely shocking. Absolutely shocking. So what was the one you... Are you still married? Oh, she's mate. She's amazing, to be fair. <laughs> absolutely amazing. We. Uh... It's a question we've been asking for fucking years. <laughs> I won't say it's my devilish good looks, but you've been staring at me now for four hours. You, that clearly is true. Um, she, she's genuinely, uh, she'll never listen to this, I can say what the fuck I want, but she's, uh, she's amazing. I mean, the amount of times I've fucked stuff off to go watch Leeds. Although, to be fair, I did say to her, like a manly man, 11 years ago, look, Leeds was here before you, love. Leeds will be here after you. So just tread carefully. <laughs> just tread carefully. And we've had three kids, so uh, yeah, that must be awesome. But many things. Fair play. Well, I first of all got a question for you. I'm absolutely staggered that your beloved Torquay ain't on the list. I thought I've Blake never been to Torquay, mate. An it's a fantasy. Shoeing for you, mate. <laughs> 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 that banter in a minute, Dan. It's uh, interesting Phenomenal. to say the least. Um, <laughs> and uh, the end, yeah, the one that was close for me, it was a bit like what 
Dan was saying about like around the ground is Kenilworth Road, Luton's ground. Oh, what a shithole. Fuck me. Shithole. Yeah, it was a close fourth for me as well. It's just been dumped, hasn't it? Like the houses around it, oh. the away end through the gardens. Oh, it's just awful. The, the change rooms, the change rooms are worse than outside. It's horrendous. How oh, is that horrendous. possible? It's a shit. It's oh, disgusting. It's tremendous. It is honestly so Class ground to play in, though. Can't get rid of it. Nah. 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 It's got a lot it's of loads of grounds like that. Port Vale's oh, good there's... fun. That way ends good fun. There's loads of good grounds yeah. like that. You could list them yeah. forever, couldn't you? I'd, again, I'd be fascinating for another night, obviously, but what they like to play in would be, you just said there, Luton's fun to play in. You must get such a different experience. Do you prefer new grounds or old grounds? Um, it varies. You just get different kind of vibes from different ones I, I think one of my favorite ones to play in was uh the old russian and diamonds uh yeah. ground i buzzed off that it was class proper mm -hmm. like it felt like the spans are literally on top of you um but again like darlington's ground just yeah there's i could go on and on like and yeah but yeah new new ones always were nice but you lose that character don't you there's a shit for a fan Oh, yeah, one of the ones what like um obviously york are leaving booth and crescent aren't they and they're they're like it, as a football ground it's got all the old character that you want but yeah. you just don't want to be pissing up a concrete slab like when you go to the to, to the toilet but yeah um, i'm a, it's a, a, in the same kind of breath as well like um saltergate the old chesterfield ground was an yeah. absolute fucking dive as well that was awful and i'm going on a oh, friday night Got beat 4 0, I think, and it pissed it down on the open terrace. Do you remember Gay Meadow when it had that like metal railing in front of the yeah. uh, last ground? That class ground, yeah. When, when uh, Lincoln played there, Joe Hart was in goal for Shrewsbury, and I've got right, I think it, I'm, I might, this might be wrong. McCauley scored, and Franny Green like jumped onto the fucking railing. shaking, yeah, yeah, <laughs> fucking brilliant. Fucking brilliant. I was like, that was fucking roasting that day. We needed to win to get in the playoffs, I think. And he, I um, and I had the best forget I've ever had in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, food, food in grounds are is another podcast completely because, yeah, don't get me started on Kidderminster pies. There's that Twitter page, Footy Scrounds or whatever it is you got me on. Yeah, and some of the stuff they've been putting up. There was a baguette last week with curried chips in it, and then he jumped down yeah. the phone screen. <laughs> 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 Get in me. Bring football back. Fuck's sake. I'm sick of being at home. Get me on a terrace. Forest Green's food. Forest Green's food after the game was always good. What? <laughs> Onion barbecue, samosas. Fuck oh, yeah. What? Fucking piece of lettuce. Tray of glass. <laughs> you and uh, you and Parky sneaking off the Greggs. Down there. Um, Danny, thank you for joining us, mate. It's been amazing. Um, we're probably going to put this into a two-parter. I think we'll do the, the part one will just be you, mate, and then the part two will be our intellectual knowledge on the England squad. Uh, but, mate, thank you for joining us. It's been amazing. No, my pleasure. Yeah, really Top man, Danny. Boy. No worries. Great to Anytime. speak to you guys. And an honest kind of approach, which is good. I like it. You've been listening to Gone Off on a Tangent podcast, sponsored by Nobody. Don't call it a podcast. Dan gets upset. I've been Adam Stocks. He's been Carl Stubbs. Up the goat, Borg. And he's been Dan Taylor. Toodaloo. See you next time.